Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don, where Pastor Don answers all of your questions from theology, parenting, and whether he can tell if you're sleeping in church. Enjoy. Please like and subscribe. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Alex. How, How are, are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Still, I've got a haircut yet, but uh, we could work on that. Yeah. I got shears. Uh, I, I, <laughs> uh, my the person I go to to get a haircut, she she hurt her back. So I was like, that's fine. I'll give my give it another shot. And I text my wife, told her that. So I'm looking a little rough around the edges, and it's like, you know, uh, maybe I just give my I'm gonna give myself a mullet just just for fun for a little bit. And someone said something along the lines of, you know, a mullet. It's it's kind of like you know you're you're finding like a a stray kitten, like you know you're just you know playing with it for a few days, but then you grow to love it, and then and then your wife leaves you because you have a mullet. Oh. But, Okay. I don't know. Hmm. I think I would look pretty good with it. Well, you yeah. got the tousled look going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I know. So, got some questions. Um, first one is, it's Paul. Um, that was interesting. He was talking about circumcision, but it's not really about circumcision. Um, he's saying, he says in part of it that basically, like, it's okay to do be circumcised. It's okay to be not. It's more important to be, you know, r- uh, righteous or something like circumcised that. Circumcised of heart. Yes, yes. The physical is not important, kind of like that, right? Um, but you talk about circumcision, you get everybody's every guy's attention. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. Like, didn't didn't he? Was it him that did like a circumcision on on someone else? Timothy. Timothy, and he was older, right? Well, he wasn't eight days old. That's Man. for sure. Yeah. Uh, my, my, so, what's the question? Here's my next. Um, what is the question? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. So, at, at, towards the end of that book, then I found this part interesting because all the the different translations of the Bibles word this part differently. But basically, it's like. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, and beware of something around circumcision. Sometimes it's beware of circumcision or, or the, the ones who, the ones pushing circumcision or the the circumcision act or something like that. Circumcisers. Circumcisers. Okay. And you're trying to see if I know which book of the Bible that is. Is that isn't it, Paul? It is Paul. Yes, okay. it is Paul. I'm just trying to identify which book in my head didn't get in there yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't. But I don't it was mind. a major. It was a major issue. Okay. Because basically, what Paul was dealing with. Oh, excuse me. What Paul was dealing with, and he dealt with it even with Peter, was the fact that here with this this Jesus come into the world, and now we have belief in Jesus Christ. Paul had this amazing transformation from being someone who was going out after the Christians and putting them to death or at least making prisoners of them uh, to one who's out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I think in Paul's mind that transformation should have been everybody's transformation. And so everybody needed a Damascus road. And I think it was difficult for Paul to understand that Peter wasn't exactly the same spot because Peter was coming out of the Hebrew experience, the Jewish experience, into Jesus. He walked with Jesus three years. And so he was coming from a different spot because he'd grown into his faith gradually mm-hmm. and over time. 
then as the two of them were working with this emerging church that was basically Jewish in its, in its origins and, and started in the synagogues going out of, away from Jerusalem, there's this group of people who just said, hey, we have to stay Jewish. Yes, we'll bring Christ to the experience. We have to remain Jewish to the point, let's continue doing circumcision. And even it became a bigger issue as they moved out into Greek culture because Greeks did not circumcise. Right. In fact, we, we have accounts of the fact that Hebrew men who went into wrestling would have their circumcision reversed because you wrestled naked. You didn't wrestle in a singlet. You wrestled, yeah. Uh, Stop. TMI. So they, <laughs> they were so into the culture, you know, working against culture. Culture, I mean, we are all people of faith in the midst of a culture, and we're all having to work that piece out. So what you're talking about is that, that working that piece out. And Paul is adamant that you stay away from the circumcisers. Don't have anything to do with them. And I think he comes to that because he was so radically transformed in his own faith. That being said, he did circumcise Timothy mm -hmm. because Timothy was going to be working with Jews in a specific place and bringing the Greeks in alongside. And Timothy had a Greek background. Interesting. What Paul seemed to have was an ability to look at a town, look at a situation and say, this is the best way to bring Jesus into this context. So he's like a PR person. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a, like, is, yeah, I've always wondered like how much that should play into something. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's churches I've been to where it's like, there was a lot of effort and thought put into the production of this. And I've always wondered how much should that be involved. But if it's bringing more people to Jesus, if it's glorifying God. Right. Right. And, and I think at those beginning stages, you know, I talk about the church being circles. And you yeah. come into more, the tighter you come in, then you drop some of those things that are less important because you're gaining the things that are more important, which is Jesus. And yeah, let's, let's make sure a lot of people get to know who Jesus is. And as they walk in and they, they accept more, they'll go deeper yeah. and they'll keep going deeper and keep going deeper. Let's keep inviting people closer to Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's an effort. Yeah. But I do believe it's a little different in each context because you probably didn't accept Christ the same way I did. Right. And we know that Paul didn't accept Jesus Christ the same way Peter did. Right. Uh, uh, we're just a lot of different people. Yeah. I mean, we, I, we just, my wife and I just talked to you a while ago about uh, baptism. Um, and that kind of fits into what that is saying as well. It's like, you know, splash the water on your head. Don't splash the water on your head. What's more important is your commitment, your your commitment to your belief, belief and faith and less about the actual physical baptism, mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah. And, and then how do we mark that in the church? 
Baptism is one of those things that, for some people, is an Ebenezer. I've come this far by faith. Mm -hmm. And it's a dramatic thing to say, go from where they were before to where they are now, and then in front of their friends say, I am now a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, for others, it's just another intersection. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder how much of the, like... The circumcision or like the baptism before the child has a choice in the matter how much of that is just the parent being like you are going to be a follower of jesus and it's not just about that there's a lot more that has to be done to shepherd that child um in their life to be that follower to understand it right, right? yeah and i don't think that all rests on the parents yeah it rests on the church as well. Right. Our problem is that in this day and age, there's a disconnect between those who call themselves Christians and the church. Oh, so you think that, that that's that part? That's that part. We don't realize that, that the church is part of their upbringing yeah. and bringing them to a knowledge of Christ. And to be honest, the church has failed many times sure. to do that well. Yeah. The uh, second part of it is, as, as parents get busy, church isn't that important. Yeah. And in one way or another, our involving our kids in our church is a reflection of how important our faith is. Mm -hmm. I mean, are they going to get it by osmosis? Are they going to get it from us? Yeah. Uh, if we aren't bringing them to church, then we must be saying they're going to get it here at home. Right. Homeschool. Yeah. And that's all right. They can home, be home. Christian school, home Sunday school. Mm -hmm. Are they? Are they? And the church needs to do it well when we do it. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot. I mean, I think I've talked about this before. I think it was on the Church Lady Edition how, how excited I was to introduce my then girlfriend, Carly, now wife, first wife. Um, <laughs> I I, I've, I've thought about I, uh, introducing her as my first wife. Or, no, don't do that. Um, <clears throat> I discourage. I where was I even going with this? I didn't. Or introducing her, I was so excited because like everyone here is just it was a it was so much a part of my upbringing and my development. Just you know, in in my spiritual growth, my spiritual journey. And not only that, just like how to it taught, it does a really good like shepherding service, I think, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you're giving the kids these roles for in church, you know, uh, lighting the altar candles, helping with offering, all this other stuff. And it is a really good way to learn how to serve one another. Um, and yeah, and yeah, we always, <clears throat> I think like our youth group won an award for something like that, where it was like, it's it's so rewarding to do that to you know yeah that steadfast servant attitude for things is, is something really really important and something we need a lot more of i think yeah yeah i mm -hmm. agree next question okay oh i feel like i should read it to you now and see if you can tell me where it's from mm. okay i'm now I'm, Don's all right being tested here yes okay so this one is actually from Genesis. Um, okay. I think you'd be able to get this one anyways, because um, it's the verse about Jacob wrestling God. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and I was curious about it because, like, it's it's something within the Old Testament and stuff. Some of their stories, it's not as I don't know eloquent. It doesn't it doesn't touch you the same way. And maybe that's just because it's written in another language and the translation, right? But there's not a lot of uh, <laughs> you know, like that added sugar, you know, to the story to make it palatable and understanding because like he sends <clears throat> he sends like his wives and his servants across the river with all the stuff and then like the next thing it says is just that and then a man comes and comes and wrestles him or a person a man right so Jacob was left alone a man and a man wrestled with him till daybreak you're right it's just right down to that mm-hmm when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched, wrenched and was as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. Yeah, you're right. It's just free. Yeah. It's just, yeah, there's, there's not a lot to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we to take from that verse, just as a first thought? Just Is that God? Is that an angel? I think it probably was an angel of God. Yeah. And uh, he probably, in his awe, thought he looked at God face to face. But I think he says that, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He does say it. Because I saw God face to face. That's why it's called Peniel. Yeah. As a face, Peniel. Yeah. Face okay. in the Hebrew. Um, Isn't that a gland? Peniel gland? Well, it could be in the Engli- in the Latin and English. Okay, but uh, the the face in the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it, yeah, it's bare bones, and I think part of the reason is many translators don't know what to do with it. Yeah, what's noted throughout Scripture then is that this wrestling that he did left him with a limp. Yeah, that caused him to remember he had wrestled with the big question. I see. So, Jacob was sort of a scoundrel till this point. I mean, he was sort of a shyster, and he knew how to do it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a transformation point, and things change. How many of us have had that transformation point where things change? All of a sudden, our thinking is, is different than it had been before. God has left a mark on us, if you will. Yeah. Because we've wrestled with those big questions, who he is and what he's calling us to be. I mean, my call to Christian ministry was a moment that I wrestled with God. Yeah. And and came out different. Yeah. I think that's what is being noted here, and probably why it's done so simply is what else do we do? I mean, what what if you add to it, you're bringing your words to something that we have a hard time explaining otherwise. Yeah. Simply put, wrestled with God. Yeah, there's more to it than it might be. And significant enough that when the man said, your name is no longer to be Jacob, but Israel, Yeah. that's pretty significant. Yep. Because that name Israel carried right on through all the rest of the Bible. Yep. Pretty decisive point. Yeah. Yeah, because I was. Are there are there good like who would be the best storyteller in the Bible? I don't know if, you know what I mean. 
Is it the oh yeah, the story of Jesus. Yeah. Well, who is the best? I don't how do you I don't even know what I'm trying to look for, but well, what's the most palatable, the, interesting read? Well, Moses did the first five books. So he contributed quite a bit to the Bible yeah. in storytelling. Especially when you think about the book of Genesis. That's quite a story. I know, but like I could tell you a good story about something that would be more interesting than Oh, what book do I want to throw under the bus? That was boring. Hmm. Fisherman in the Sea. That story is not a great story, right? But it is a great, great novel, right? Like, it is still revered to because be... Because of the way it's written. Because of the way it's written. So, like, uh, how? Who is, the, who is the Hemingway of the Bible? Hemingway of the Bible. Who is the best? Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't write any books. No, but he had good stories in there. That's true. Yeah, all the stuff that is <clears throat> written that he says is, yeah. Like the parable of the sower. Mm-hmm. I, I like that one. That's, you like that one? That's okay. the most creative way I think he could teach. The difference is the way we receive the gospel. Mm-hmm. Rocky Road, I mean, are we hard and it just bounces off the top? Are we rocky and we sort of crowd it with the hard things within us? Uh, do we allow other things to grow up around the gospel other than the gospel and crowd it out? Yeah. yeah. We do. Or are we good soil and just let it sink in real deep and, mm-hmm. and grow and flourish and yeah. 60, 80, 100 fold? Right. That's a good story. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, when growing up when I was younger, you know, all of the ones that are in the Bible, all the cool ones, you know, I mean, they were mostly all Old Testament because they're the most crazy things, you know, mm-hmm. they had whales, they had lions, they had all sorts of stuff, but what I was saying is like, you know, in all the Gospels, it, you know, they attribute things that Jesus said, but they are written by different people. Mm-hmm. Can you pick out one that was the best at writing Jesus' stories? I think Luke. Luke? Okay. Yeah. I, I the His uh, mastery of Koine Greek and his ability to take from the Aramaic, which was what he was work, working with, and make it something that is much more colorful, I think, than mm-hmm. Mark's gospel, which is pretty basic. Yeah. Yep. Nuts and bolts there. Yeah, it's interesting that, that yeah. And then wondered how much like God actually shepherds along or you know intervenes with the creation of all the books you know the compilation of the story of the of the word of God that we base our faith off of I'm always interested at in how much interceding he does and how much how wary do we have to be of that um, of that interpretation of God's word because even today you know they put out a new version of the Bible every so often to make it a little different here and there. Um, tons of abridged versions, you know, sometimes that's good for kids, you know. You know like I said in a few episodes ago, I'm read, reading my son the, the Begatitudes, or the Begatitudes, the Begats. You came up with a new word, I think. Oh, man. <laughs> um, if I read him that, I mean, yeah, he'd probably fall asleep quicker, yeah. but uh, right. he wouldn't like that story. So maybe it's just us, just up up to us to seek the truth in that. But 
Yeah, I was interested. How much do we have to be wary of the translations and stuff? I, I, I am a little wary of all of them because I think they come with an agenda. I preach from the, the NIV for a long time because my intro to theology teacher was the translator of Hebrews. Wow. And so he could give us the process by which the NIV was translated. Mm -hmm. And he talked about it, uh, you know, they would, they would bring their translations in the room, they had a room full of scholars, and at the end of the, the table was the stylist mm -hmm. who would take the translations and put them into a, a uh, form, a language that would read well. And you have to admit, the NIV reads well. And that would have been the 1984 version of the okay. NIV that, that would have had that, that crisp first translation. And she would sit at the end of the table with her cigarette while all these scholars were at the table and then they'd critique each other and each book was not only, it was had an original translator like J.C. Wenger was for Hebrews, but it would also have other scholars of the New Testament who could say, well, you know, maybe this word should be translated thus and so, and, and they would work with that. Okay. And then she would be at the end of the table saying, well, in the English, English language, we could say it this way. Yeah. That's just something that's, you know, when you, when you do a Bible study and you dive into something, that's one of right. the really cool things, especially done as a group, where you're, if you've got the one person who's like, who is really interested in the translations and how those have evolved and how they, you know, going back to the original things and what we can take from that, you know, why is it punctuated here and stuff like that. I've always thought that was, it's really important to have that person there to just gain that extra context. Right. Cause without it, you can really make some conclusions that jump to something that we're not, that that's just you. Yeah. Right. That's just what you're and saying. So the agenda, for the NIV to come out like it did originally, I think it had 16 to 22 uh, scholars giving input into that yeah. translation. But now there's only, what, two of the original committee still living? And so a lot of agenda could go into a translation now and not be screened by another, another right. group of people that says, you know, that's, that's not where we're headed with this. Mm -hmm. That's not what this means. Right. And so the translation has changed considerably from its origin. Yeah. So I don't, I don't even use anything after 84. Yeah. And even, even I have problems with the 84. Right. When I come to a couple places in uh, spiritual active worship in Romans chapter 12, verse two, well, act, am I acting spiritual? No, it's my spiritual action of worship. Oh, I see. And so I move it from being a noun to a, a verb. I see. I mean, yeah, that completely changes it, doesn't it? Cool. Yeah, I like that. I'm sure some people find it interesting and some people find it very dry, but it's probably important. Well, and, and uh, the message. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Eugene Peterson added a great deal of himself, and he's a good man, into the message. But it needs to be treated as a paraphrase. Yeah. It is not a direct translation. Gotcha. Because he's a good man. It's got a lot of him in it. Yeah. But uh, the, it still runs the danger. Yeah. Cool. I like those answers. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, this question kind of comes from uh, 
um, comes a little bit from that. So what would be like the, you know, that we talk about all these different languages. Do you know the least spoken language currently? In all the world or the Bible? All the world right now. Uh, if I, I, I took the perspectives course, I think some of the ones, the dialects in Papua New Guinea, because they, they uh, I mean, they're just breaking in missionary efforts in, in New Guinea. Uh, probably those would be the least trans, least known. Uh, talk to your Wiley tra uh, Wycliffe translators, they would know. Because we are, there's an active effort to get the gospel into every known language. That's a very insightful answer, comes. but the correct answer is sign language. Okay. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. I was thinking of talking. I wasn't thinking of signing, but that's language too. Yeah, that's the least spoken language. All right. Oh, last. you were making this a funny. Yep, I should have noticed it was the white card. I, it was to be a funny. I, I was trying to like lead you into it so that you would look extra silly, when I, and I would get I you good and get you to laugh because you didn't laugh at any of the other dad jokes. So. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. Last one. I'm talking about. Halloween, should we, uh, should Christians be involved in Halloween? Is it turned from something that's just now fun, so we don't have to worry about its, like, origins, or what are your thoughts? No, I don't think Christians should celebrate Halloween. No? I know it's so cute to watch those kids dress up, but how about we celebrate All Saints Day and have them dress up as saints of the church uh, in, in a, it's living into the positive side, sure. the hope, and instead of the negative side which is death and darkness and yeah cruelty and all those things i mean for kids most of the time it's usually just about dressing up as their favorite character and getting candy right i mean i yeah. think today it's it's there's a lot of good things that come from it just to be like going and being social get off your phone let's go yeah. do something as a family it's fun yeah hey rides yep caramel yep. apples yep popcorn candy we can do that as christians yeah and we can do that honoring the saints that went before us mm -hmm. we don't do that very much in the church no we and especially you know those that are of us that are catholic catholics do it much better than we do thinking about the saints of the church um not that we you know hold them too high but they did pave the way yeah that's for where we're at today that's where I've always kind of been a little icky on, on the Catholics, and, and I've since been under, more understanding of it. It was just like, why are you praying to Saint, insert name here? Mm -hmm. You know, why are we holding, aren't we here to, you know, pray to God, honor God, praise God for his, uh, for his mercy and his love and, and all this stuff. And it, why are we involving the saints? Shouldn't that kind of be like a almost a completely separate thing? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. we shouldn't forget the awesome Well, things. and when you go to Romans chapter 828, we realize that the Holy Spirit will intervene with words that cannot be spoken as we pray. Mm -hmm. So I don't need a saint in between. Yeah. I've got the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So there's a little misunderstanding in there as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, putting a saint. When you're talking about Halloween, 
uh, how would you dress up like Noah? Yeah, I mean, if you're doing an All Saints Day, everyone's wearing the same costume probably, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas you've got uh, all all your little different urchins and things that you can do with the negative side. Yeah, I asked Charlie uh, what he wanted to be for Halloween. He said he wanted to be a little shark, which, you know, the whole baby shark thing. I was like, what what should I be? And I had to ask him a couple times, what what should daddy dress up as? He goes, brown. Brown. Okay. (laughs) Daddy should be a a brown for Halloween? He goes, yeah. What daddy's costume is supposed to be brown? He goes, yeah, with flies. Flies? He goes, just a little bit. Just a little bit flies. Like, you want me to be brown with a little bit of flies? Yeah. I'm like, what? The imagination can go so many different ways on that one. So I agree we should not do Halloween because of that. Yeah. No. Maybe not this year, hey? Oh, man. He says that was the funniest thing. Uh, What an imagination. Yep. My wife was tickled to hear that. Chip off the old block. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh (laughs) Yep. All right, Don. That's all I got. I appreciate you coming. This is a lot of fun. Blessings, Alex. Yep. Take care.